0: Chaos engineering is a discipline within the field of software engineering that focuses on testing and improving the resilience and stability of a system by intentionally introducing control instances of chaos and failure. The primary goal of chaos engineering is to identify and address potential weaknesses and vulnerabilities in a system, ultimately making it more robust and reliable. Uma Mukhera is the head of chaos engineering at Harness, and he joins us today. This episode is hosted by Jodimon Companies. Check out the show notes to follow him on Twitter.
1: Hello and welcome to Software Engineering Daily. Hi there. Uh, so we are KingCon EU 2023 record-setting uh, event. It is officially the uh, biggest open source event in Europe at the time. And we have Uma Mukara with us. Uh, Uma, could you present to yourself? Sure. Hi, Jordi. Uh, good to be here. I'm Uma Mukara, head of
0: chaos engineering at Harness. I am also the co creator, co founder of Litmus Chaos, the chaos engineering project, which is now uh, being
1: hosted as an incubating project at CNCF. So, w- this is your what KubeCon, uh, by the way? I probably have a few. I would say this
0: is my eighth or ninth KubeCon, I generally don't miss, especially after I started my CNCF journey of um, the open source project. Before it was one the other project, right? So I've been a regular visitor to all the KubeCons uh, from then on. I think I just missed one in the middle for
1: personal reasons, but otherwise, I would make the point to be here. But wait, so you have been... So what was the... Have, has the other project... Was the other project part of the CNCF too?
0: Yes, um, yes, that uh, is Open EBS. That's uh, I was a storage guy, um, and I started uh, my entrepreneurial journey uh, by creating storage for Cloud Native, and um, Open EBS was one. And while trying to test the resilience of storage, is when actually the chaos Engineering project was born, Litmus.
1: Whoa. What kind of needs sort of like you faced uh, with the first project that sparked your interest on chaos engineering? Because I guess that's the same, th- you know, that's the kind of reasoning, that the use case that everyone tries to, so that sparked chaos engineering in general, right? That was a real need as well. I mean, like, um,
0: especially in the cloud native world, you try to push things pretty fast uh, onto um, production or onto your customers, right? Um, so I was having a challenge of, well, two challenges primarily. Uh, one is um, we were trying to uh, go uh, GA on our own SaaS product, right? I needed to make sure that all the different tech stack that it took is resilient enough, right? And also I was uh, trying to sell my enterprise product to some of the large customers. And then they said, look, I'm trying to put uh, my real data on your new storage product and uh, have you tested it out? Have you tested uh, some negative scenarios? Have you done actual chaos engineering in your development cycle? Pro me, right? So that's when I got intrigued. Okay, know this is what large customers actually look for, right? Uh, as a way to make sure that the software is resilient. Because by resiliency,
1: what do you exactly mean? Do you mean only uptime? This is going to be in production, running, no downtime or barely none. Or is there something else to that? Um, there is something else. This is generally, uh, you
0: know, a slightly misunderstood concept, in my opinion. Chaos um, engineering generally means that make sure everything uh, goes right all the time. My uptime is, you know, the largest or highest. That's the general understanding. But um, not everything. Um, that results in an outage um, Mm. will cause, um, you know, real problems, uh, and that's counted as reliability. Even slowness is a reliability issue, right? And uh, generally, you don't declare that as an outage, but businesses uh, will have uh, SLOs that are related to the slowness, right? Mm. Um, And that could be, uh, in general, uh, you know, treated as uh, also part
1: of uh, being a reliability issue. So from performance, a human, performance. exactly. So from a user perspective, it's not only that the service is up and running, but actually that is running well, right? That is not sluggy. Okay. So so well, congratulations on that, then on the two projects that you and and for being such an active uh, member of the community of the CNCF community. Let's dive into uh, litmus and case engineering in general. Like, could you give a primer of of how does one literally? get started with this? Like, um, if you were to pick only one chaos test to implement across your enterprise, which one would it be? How would you go about doing that? Sure. I mean, um, the way
0: uh, we have moved on into the cloud native space, we as in all the enterprises right now, um, adopting Kubernetes is, is, is not a choice anymore, right? You had to Get get onto it in a big way at some point of time. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you know, you are not leading um, the modern development uh, lifecycle, right? So moving on to Kubernetes um, actually means that you are encountering chaos already, mm-hmm. right? Um, the reason I say that is, yes. um, you know, chaos, the most common chaos that one could think of is my uh, physical node went down. It just got hung or rebooted or my virtual machine got rebooted In the cloud-native world, my pod is lost or my pod is rebooted, right? And Kubernetes does that all the time Mm. because of some pressure, right? So Kubernetes works uh, uh, based on the principle of reconciliation. So if you're a cloud-native developer, you're supposed to write code to reconcile the business logic, right? So you expect that, you know, you can be thrown out anywhere, anytime. And then uh, you should get back to where uh, you're supposed to be, right? So um, as a developer, you are being tested for pod delete as a chaos test case, right? Okay. And then think of that uh, at large scale. you now you're building, um, you're testing a big uh, cloud native app that has got you know tens of critical microservices and a lot of performance tests being run. And uh, do you really wait for um, a pod delete to happen or do you actually introduce a pod delete and see how things work, right? Obviously, the latter would be the right thing to do mm. if you're a good QA engineer, yeah, right? Force it, right? Force it, right? So I would say that basic pod delete chaos test, to answer your question, uh, can sometimes surprise you on how, uh, you know, proof your configuration of Kubernetes mm-hmm. services or or how would proof your application itself right so you know now you have auto auto-scalar functions that are configured based on you know uh, you know the spot and uh, how often uh, pods are coming back and uh, the readiness probes are configured correctly or not it's all about um, when something uh, bad happens your configuration is um, you know, tuned properly or not for your business to run, uh, business service to run, right? So um, this is just one, right? Similarly, uh, you want to do a port delete when at certain load. So how do you actually put that certain load? You can actually simulate that load by increasing uh, the memory consumption and CPU and then slowing down your network. So it's, it's really about, you can think of chaos engineering as recreating a high-performance system if you're smart enough, right? So you can still do that and then, you know, uh, pull down some of the parts and then actually see, as far as the developer is concerned, um, yeah, you know, these are the conditions that I would see uh, in a highly loaded system, so my software should still work or an ops person should think about it as, under these conditions, I should still be resilient enough, right? So maybe, you know, a new um, uh, node should get auto-scheduled, uh, right? Under these conditions, is it working or not? So these are some basic examples. In um, you know, a Kubernetes, uh, as uh, it has the very uh, a general nature of starting small and growing big. Uh, people are super excited uh, to start and then go into production. And when the traffic starts, you know, they think hyperscalers generally come and, you know, put, um, expand the infrastructure and assume that everything works, right? And that's where they get to, you know, more surprises, right? So it's best to do all these tests, hyperscaler tests um, in your pre-prod environment, in your pipelines, and make sure that uh, you are uh, certifying your uh, production services for such an eventuality of, you know, increase in load or, you know, fault. uh,
1: Okay so that is the sort of like test 101 test that you would suggest doing uh the part the lead and the, the all the you know the arrangements around that and so forth but um did you reckon what, what like what has been your experience uh telling this to developers because it does feel that uh devops engineers and uh all platform engineers would be would feel very comfortable with what you just said. I think that's talking about pods and and uh, and, and traffic and ing- ingress and stuff like that. W- they would be comfortable because it seems that it's part of the day job. But not so much developers. Yeah, you think that uh, developers have a lot to say or to do actually with chaos engineering. So how, where, where do developers and software engineers see the value of chaos engineers? How, how chaos engineering? How do they go about interacting with it?
0: Yeah, um, the way Kubernetes uh, is structured uh, provides an opportunity for chaos engineering to be used by the developers. I would say, um, you know, everything is a custom resource. Uh, everything is an object of uh, of a special type, right? So a good developer or a good uh, DevOps engineer uh, would think of covering all the bases. For example, you know, um, my unit test coverage is all full. I tested all my code mm-hmm. and. Um, uh, I assume that my code that's uh, built and shipped can run anywhere under any circumstances, right? So that's the premise of the basic cloud native
1: uh, in our software. Right? So wait let me interrupt. so if I so are you saying in a way that chaos engineering should be part of the test suite in the same in the same sense that unit testing is, in the same sense that integration testing is and so forth? Exactly.
0: because um now in a monolithic application, you have, a big uh, application with multiple processes, and that's where somebody needs to write this unit test cases, different scenarios, different APIs. But in microservices world, you are, the developers is, a developer is forced to think of this is the one process, and then there are one or two few APIs that is surrounding that. And uh, like that, there are, you know, multiple other processes that are interacting with it, right, so how do you actually do uh, the combination testing, right? So it can soon become pretty uh, complicated for developers, right? So then they have to take one step backward and then say that, hey, the system that I have has multiple services, and then there are APIs, right, that the services provide. Let me now, um, you know, do some functional testing of how things work, but in order for them to be reliable, anybody can, you know, go bad, or anybody can get slowed down. At that time, how is my code working, right? And how would you actually go and tell the other person behave in a certain way? Just use chaos test, right? So chaos test, uh, if you use innovatively, it provides you as an opportunity to cover the entire spectrum of resilience, uh, even at the development phase, right? So my recommendation would be um, there should be um, a concept of chaos test coverage, Right? And just like, you know, chaos coverage, unit desk coverage, there is a chaos coverage. And, uh, you know, some uh, developers are-, are using it. I'm definitely promoting it within my uh, engineering teams. Um, but that's-, that's where I think the world is going towards, right? So that's when uh, developers are forced to think, um, you know, not only write good code, uh, write resilient code, and it becomes your responsibility. And then it becomes a kind of a culture for developers uh, to start writing resilient code. And that's when you know, like you know, I, I've seen this um, developer productivity being talked about, um, um, you know, very recently in a big way, and also um, developers being responsible uh, for being, uh, you know, for the for running the code in production properly, right? So it's it's not uncommon for developers to be on the call on critical instance nowadays, right? So you you get your best engineers. Um, just imagine uh, you're you responsible for writing some amazing code. At the same time, you're being called on to your, uh, you know, production incidents, and then you realize that, hey, I could have avoided this, right? So if you're a good uh, engineering, uh, you know, you're DevOps engineer or a smart engineer, developer, you try to, uh, you know, put whatever is necessary into your, uh, you know, developer uh, area itself so that, you know, it's it's always a developer um, uh, could be very efficient in writing test cases, right? So that's that's a well-known proven fact, why not chaos test, right? So you, can, you could avoid uh, a lot of uh, costly incidents and more often you can actually improve a lot of developer productivity. You could uh, stop being, um, you know, uh, the guy who's uh, debugging the code most of the time rather
1: actually architecting the code right way. Yes, indeed. Um... Okay, so before we actually move on to a bit of more the history of uh, Lemos Chaos and now Harness Chaos Engineering, and we've touched upon your suggestion to start with getting familiar with uh, chaos testing is the the pot delete example. What are, let's go, that's 101. Let's go into the craziest uh, usages of chaos engineering that you find, like the most, the the, the heaviest stress tests and... uh, performance requirements that uh, case engineering is able to to serve for. Yeah,
0: definitely. So we, we talked about, as I said, 101, and where developers and everyone is involved. On the other extreme um, uh, side, or the other side of the spectrum, uh, you need to talk about developers or who are running, oh, sorry, the SREs or who are running the ops, right? And the most common um, request that I have uh, received is zone failures. Right, and I'm running a lot of critical services, and uh, zone failure um, uh, has to be tested, or it's not uncommon. And can you not, define what zone failure is? You know, um, a zone failure is uh, just like you know a set of namespaces uh, are structured uh, within Kubernetes, right? So now cloud um, uh, cloud providers provide certain uh, zones that are defined by network boundaries. And uh, eventually, it's a software uh, underneath, and then um, they provide uptime of some nines, never 100%, right? Um, So zone failure is so critical that whenever it happens, uh, it's almost like triggering a DR, right, disaster recovery, right? And uh, if you are talking about uh, trading or financial sectors, um, things like that, or wherever compliance is needed, Um, you expect your DR services uh, to be working as expected, right? And, um, I mean, people have burned their hands when such things happen. That is one. And uh, the reason why a zone failure is kind of uh, a test is needed is also for regulatory reasons, right? Um, Nowadays, most of these financial uh, institutions like banks, they're supposed to go and prove that I'm doing DR tests, and I'm uh, continuing to, you know, highly be highly reliable. So, you know, I'm compliant, right? So how do you actually do DR tests, right? And earlier, the model is uh, you have a DR test team, and, you know, you set things up, and then it's a, it's a big process. So uh, I've seen more innovative ways of using chaos tests, automated chaos tests, as a way of um, doing DR testing as well as, you know, being complained for, you know, regulatory reasons. So zone failure uh, is a a very common thing there. Uh, And then database failures um, is not really the DR thing, but um, data storage uh, is another complicated uh, software. Um, You know, most of the time you have multiple replicas. If one replica goes for a toss. Um, are you really getting the data back, right? So, and you need to be testing this all the time. You know, replicas are there or not. So, database access cutoff is is one way, and um, uh, taking out uh, the entire network um, is is another uh, way. And these are at the further end of uh, the chaos testing. Okay. Well,
1: yeah, those 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 scenarios are extremely complicated. I presume that. Developers have little to say in that sense, right? It's more on the the ops side, right? So developers would be coming mostly
0: after your hands are burnt and then to debug or to fix, but um, it's a job of ops people to test that if such a thing happens, uh, my um, backup systems are working or not. So um, uh, I've seen SREs taking interest
1: um, in proving that such a system works by using chaos testing. So case engineering as a practice is being adopted. The mere existence of Litmus Chaos proves it, but it's growing in success and interest from the enterprise. So the project itself got um, the company got, a, got acquired by a company called Harness, where, is where you guys are working now. So what drove Harness to actually acquire the technology and, uh, and what is Harness now providing based on uh, Litmus Chaos to their customers? What, yeah. what is it? Yeah,
0: I mean, um, even I I, I first um, built this open source project for the right uh, reasons. You know, I wanted it and we were nurturing the project and uh, it was adopted pretty well. Um, there was enough interest. There was a natural organic need for chaos engineering in the Kubernetes space. So we wanted to build the enterprise version of it. So that's when um, we uh, started Chaos Native and... Um, You know, for any enterprise uh, solution to get adopted, you need to have a good vehicle, right? And I'm a strong believer that chaos is uh, heavily underused in the DevOps space and Harness is a leader in DevOps space. And naturally, um, there was a need, um, you know, the team at Harness recognized that chaos engineering is needed for developers and DevOps, um, you know, uh, scenarios. So they were uh, looking at building um, a good solution for chaos engineering. So I was uh, really uh, happy to see that, you know, um, building Litmus technology into an enterprise solution uh, through Harness, so it's so it's a perfect fit. Um, yeah, you know, it's been more than a year now. Uh, we are, um, uh, you know, a GA product uh, within, um, on the Harness platform. It's completely integrated. Uh, I think, you know, it's uh, it's time, it's time to uh take chaos engineering into um a kind of um
1: devops pipelines in a more effective way okay um so okay so so it's a sta- is it then a standalone product but also at the same time part of a bigger platform that's the current state of uh, the K- Hardness chaos module yes a harness um
0: uh, provides good platform for any of its modules, right? So, uh, for example, if you are doing uh, deployments using Harness, CD is a module, but uh, the platform provides the basic authentication, logging, uh, good security controls, uh, RBAC, ACLs. So whatever is needed for enterprise teams to manage uh, the software is provided by Um, the harness platform so we are uh, chaos engineering is one of the modules so you could use um, harness chaos engineering as one module on harness and also because it's it's part of the the harness platform itself um, it integrates well with other uh, harness uh, modules also for example uh, CD or uh, feature flags or SRM so it, it improves uh, the experience of the developers or sres who, is, uh, who are using harness as a platform um, to to get um, a great experience of chaos engineering uh, along, either in pipelines or uh, along with slos or you know
1: when they are rolling out uh, new features with feature flags cetera. so you said before chaos engineering is uh tightly uh, coupled with with Kubernetes, right? Or the Kubernetes experience requires or puts forward very uh, preemptly the, the need for chaos engineering. But I think that whenever one someone thinks about Kubernetes, thinks about the cloud, a managed instance, or maybe even running it locally in a data center, right? In a powerful machine altogether. Now, you gave a talk yesterday that was about chaos engineering for telcos, and telcos do have big clouds big, big data centers but they also manage the edge right which would be antennas and remote you know async uh, communication uh, sm- uh small compute edges right or, yeah. or pieces of uh of hardware in which by the way not everyone is aware of it but kubernetes is also Running right, or is being is replacing what used to be running there, which I presume was old VM. I'm not sure. Yes. So, please, what was it that you yes. talked about uh, running uh, experiments, chaos experiments in, in in the edge or for telcos rather? Yeah, I mean, Kubernetes um, has evolved so much that uh, there
0: is a slightly different version of Kubernetes that is running on the edge. Right, so there are new infrastructure pieces. Um, that are running on the edge, right? For example, CNFs, right? Container network functions and um, the small SDS software defined storage elements. So these are different types of infrastructure pieces that are constructed to be suitable for edge. But ultimately, it's all managed by Kubernetes, right? And ultimately, it's all containers, right? The code, right? So uh, telcos provide this as a service, right, container network functions and all. And just imagine um, there is an issue of um, uh, container network function uh, not working and then your entire service getting affected, right? So it has to be telco-grade. So my talk was really about, um, you know, you continue to roll out new features on your infrastructure as a service, as a telco, are you um, making sure that the underlying infrastructure and the applications on top of it are reliable in your development process itself? Mm-hmm. Just like in an IT DevOps shop, a very similar infrastructure and process runs on Telco uh, DevOps as well, right? The same principles of chaos engineering that I talked about uh, can also be applied to the Telco DevOps process. And, um, you know, CNCF has... A test suite called CNF test, right? That's sponsored by CNCF itself, and they use chaos engineering tests as part of uh, the regular, um, you know, uh, the test suite. Um, earlier, it used to be called a CNCF.ci, right? But now, you know, it's a CNF test suite. Um, so they they use um, Litmus and other chaos engineering tools to do the chaos testing in their pipelines. And same thing can be used by the telcos in their own DevOps in the background.
1: For example, CN, does CNF contain pods? Yes, it does. Okay. In, in what's the difference then between a full version of Kubernetes running the pods within their own clusters versus a what I presume is a centralized version of Kubernetes running the CNFs in the remote uh, hardware?
0: I mean... Um... Telcos are providing certain services to their uh, end users, right? That service is now managed uh, using CNFs, right? So in order to provide a particular networking service to one of your users, your CNF comes in, right? So you can you can spin up a, a small networking uh, capability and give it off to the users. So while you are providing such a critical, reliable service, you need to make sure that that entire function itself is reliable, and you know Kubernetes is is is, is very scalable, right? So you can use it to provide a larger service, mm-hmm. or you can provide Kubernetes itself, Kubernetes itself as a service to somebody else, and then you need to provide networking capability to that Kubernetes, mm-hmm. which is provided by the CNF running on mm-hmm. another Kubernetes, right? So
1: uh, that that's how um, you know telcos are using Kubernetes. So you would say that then the scenarios that we talked about at the beginning, whether it's the simple one, yeah. uh, the, the pod delete, whether it's the more sort of like disaster recovery related, scenarios that uh, zone, what was it? Uh, zone failure. And uh, those, this yeah. would be applicable to this scenario too? Oh, yeah. So um,
0: if you are, I mean, a telco, Infrastructure would also contains multiple zones, uh, zones that they have created to host the end users themselves. Sometimes they may not be visible to the end users, right? Uh, but you know, when the zone fails, your users should not even see that. You know, they should you, you should kickstart some DR and then move them into somewhere else. And everything is uh, managed by the Kubernetes, the back end on the telco side. So if you are trying to provide a reliable service to your, you know, telco users, you would have to make sure that, you know, the system, even though it fails, it continues to be reliable for your end users. So, yeah, they are uh, they are uh, very much applicable uh, in a slightly different way to the telco user, telco provider, right? So an SRE would run these things uh, in an automated fashion. And then, or you can call it as game days uh, here and there, but they need to be uh, tested uh, so that your end users, um, you know, they see a, a larger uptime or a highest uptime.
1: So I think you are given another talk at the end of this week or tomorrow about Litmus. How's the health of the community? How's the project doing? And what stage is it within the CNCF uh, landscape and promotion? Uh, I uh, Ways so from, from sandboxing to graduation? How's that going?
0: yeah it's going it's great. great i mean like um uh, sandbox to incubating uh, has some criteria incubating to graduating is is a totally different criteria so uh, for incubating you need a, a good adoption by the community um, you, you know 3 to 5 uh, large users are using it in production and th- those are enough and a, a kind of a good vibrant community uh, should be there as a proof uh, to be in incubating uh, which i think you know we achieved uh, more than a year ago uh, from then onwards you know the type of uh, queries that we are receiving at Ritmas is, is more about um, you know uh, what are the use cases in which i can do this how can i automate some of this chaos test so that's a good proof that chaos engineering is being adopted not just to test something but actually to automate into the regular, um, you know, pipelines or, you know, prod scenarios. So that way I see uh, the number of experiment runs being, um, you know, growing from anywhere from 1,000 to 2,000 in a day that we observe um, through the open interface to now, I think we are seeing about uh, 10-fold increase, right, in the last six months, right? So uh, Litmus as an option, um, you know, it's it's giving some good metrics. And then uh, we also need to, uh, make it, um, you know, easy to use for a larger uh, developer community, right? So we are working on Ritmas 3.0 where uh, we are trying to reduce the footprint of um, the chaos uh, components itself so that, you know, it's easier for developers to consume, right? So they should not see that. Um, uh, yeah, it's it's going uh, good and we are not in a, a super hurry to you know push it through graduation. So maybe we'll try to take it early next year right you know as an
1: application to uh, graduation so it's it's going great right what what are the main uh barriers to adoption of case engineering in general are they cultural are they technological or software related which ones are the ones that you usually face when people are not using
0: yes um i would say um a bit of both uh, cultural for sure but uh, fortunately there's been a lot of uh, educating going on to the end users, right? So there are multiple uh, companies uh, that have vested interest in, you know, making sure that chaos engineering products are, are, are out there. So that provides a good uh, content for educating the market and um, uh, that's that's happening. So a lot of people know what is chaos engineering now. And um, the other need is also driven uh, by the nature of Kubernetes. So people are actually experimenting it. So, um, but still, there is a strong um, notion of chaos engineering is really for um, you know some big uh, expert engineers, not for me, and that's that's reducing, right? So it's a chaos engineering many people are now trying to call it as uh, reliability testing right uh, so they want to push it inside their organization so uh, reliability testing uh, is is another name that i keep hearing in the organization so there is cultural challenge and that's reducing uh, day by day and the technical and technological challenge is uh, it has to be made easy enough for example uh, we have uh, made uh, Kubernetes chaos engineering very easy and, and to adopt um, by giving out-of-the-box experiments, out-of-the-box chaos falls. and um, it, it's still uh, some way to go. Uh, we have to make it easy enough for developers uh, to consume, right? So developer clouds uh, that provide CA as a service, CD as a service, they're not providing chaos uh, as a service for developers, right? So when, when that happens, uh, developers will see um, a kind of a easy way to adopt a chaos test right? and then if um, if few developers start doing that, um, you know more developers in the same team will do that, right? So there is some technological uh, challenges that um, that are out there, I think you know which uh, will be um, part of the litmus three zero roadmap as well. so we want to. Um, make sure that that challenge is also resolved, and there's a easier um, or lesser adoption barrier uh, for chaos engineering by the developers.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. That's that's what I've got from the field too. Um, all right. So, uh, what is uh, three to due to be released roughly? I
0: don't know. Um, we we run our um, we generally don't set our timelines for that because you know it's an open source project in community we need to see evidence of um, the beta being used and enough feedback is received. So we have a regular uh, 2.x cycles going on on a monthly basis based on the feedback um, of the bug fixes, et etc. et cetera. So 3.0, uh, we launched beta a few months ago and we uh, will try to see by next cube if uh, there is enough feedback, if there is. And uh, if you find uh, enough time to close out uh, the features, uh, you know, maybe KubeCon North America is a 3.0 release, right? So, we generally drive our releases, uh,
1: motivated um, by KubeCons. <laughs> <laughs> KubeCon is the milestone for everything, right? Okay. Well, I mean, I do, and I do agree with the what with your point before being that, uh, even though chaos engineering the practice has been around for a long time for years now, look. Chris, Chris Sanising, the CTO of CSCF this morning in, in this morning's keynote, said that this is, as I said at the beginning, the biggest open source event in Europe at, at the moment. Historically, if I'm not wrong, if I quote him correctly. But also, he mentioned that 58% of the more than 10,000 people that are attending in person this event are new. This is the first exposure to KubeCon. Cloud native, code. so I'm fairly sure that a large proportion, proportion of those, well, o- o- almost six thousand people have never heard of case engineering, or have never faced it like head on, like considered, right, uh, trying it. And I mentioned case engineering, but it could be a, any other cloud native practice. So, so yeah, the, the interest is just humongous, and it's a matter of time that this uh, becomes mature in the same way that Kubernetes did in. In the past uh flux did in the past and so forth so yeah i agree that the the future is bright for case engineering hopefully it becomes well, boring like linux did in the past and kubecon uh, kubernetes has become right now it, it has to reach masses and it will uh, there are
0: uh, natural needs for chaos tests to be uh, it's just a matter of uh, time you know sometimes you cannot push uh, this test um, you know onto the developers and of course, um, we need to make it easy for developers to use, right? So if developers find any resistance to use, um, then it it kind of becomes uh, difficult for them
1: because they have other problems to solve, right? So we've touched upon the very basics of case engineering. The more advanced scenarios, which are, I mean, we, which could to which we could devote complete episodes, of course. Uh, We've also touched upon usage usage of case engineering Telco, which sounds fascinating to me. Is there anything that has you excited lately? Any kind of weird usage that the community is doing, or or clients, harness clients that are doing with case engineering, anything that is fun? Yeah,
0: definitely. There is there's one question that I keep hearing uh, from large enterprises or thought leaders inside the IT organization. Um, how much is enough, right, uh, in, in chaos tests, right? So uh, there's a challenge that, the first challenge is adoption itself, convincing somebody that chaos engineering is safe um, or chaos engineering is, uh, is fun and is productive. Uh, that's one challenge. Uh, let's say that uh, some champions within an organization push. Um, this is a good uh, technology to be used, and then they do it. The next challenge would be uh, how many chaos tests And how many more chaos tests? When do I see that my software is resilient because I did enough chaos testing, Mm -hmm. right? So this is where uh, the other term that I talked about is uh, chaos coverage also comes into the picture, right? So we are, um, you know, doing some innovations for sure, right? Uh, We are going to the extent of um, discovering uh, these Kubernetes services that are out there and we can know the traffic patterns among the services uh, because you know there is enough uh, ebpf technology out there right and if you know the resources and how they're talking you can actually add value by suggesting the chaos experiments that are needed um and also you can create the chaos experiments for them and then you know um run them uh you know if needed uh, by yourself right So that's probably the next step
1: for uh, Harness, Uh, you know, we are, we are onto that. I really love when you plug eBPF into the conversation or the conversation or the product, everything gets so meta. So don't down level that, uh, that it's fascinating and mind boggling. So yes. So wait, you're saying that you're suggesting that, uh, Harness case engineering could be listening to syscalls through eBPF in a way and learning about network and performance through it, and then suggesting enough test coverage yeah. to say, yeah, this is going to be resilient enough to your, you know, to meet your SLO and so forth. Wow, okay, yeah. Yeah, It's because
0: we have all the data out there, and uh, we need not be super smart uh, in telling what could be, but at least we can put out the data to begin with, these are your services, and these are the possible chaos tests, and I feel that, um, you know, there's uh, 80% of the traffic are belonging to these services, and there is only 20% coverage uh, done for this as well as the other unimportant services as well. You should be doing more chaos testing here because an outage on this service is pretty um, uh, relevant from business point of view, right? So we start with actually making them think about reliability by suggesting what chaos tests can be done. Of course, we are uh, we can build some AI uh, and ML stuff uh, through uh, learning and all that stuff, but that that could be a little bit uh, the next step. But
1: yeah, and harness knows a lot about that because the CI module just something like that. with with regard to like traditional testing, with, uh, exactly uh, uh, unit test, exactly technology. test intelligence would, would suggest uh, coverage areas with that would require more effort or more coverage and so forth and is able to uh, provide like smart insights. That's the second step in our uh, roadmap.
0: But to begin with, we want to uh, bring in this discovery and um, auto-creation of this test uh, without much pass by developers because that's also an adoption barrier, right? So what tests to be done, and then how much I have tests, uh, how much more need to be done is
1: a common challenge and we are on to solving that. Well, Uma, thanks so much. All the best with uh, 3.0. Seems like, uh, again, like, um, Everyone in Valencia last year was talking about case engineering. I haven't been down that much uh, until today, so hopefully I'll ask uh, the folk if they're still excited, but I presume that's the case. And I wish you all the best. Thank you, Jordi. Thank you for having me here.